the battle brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran and American University alum, Timothy Lawson. I bring up that last part because this entire week is going to be highlighting student veterans, education benefits, and the supporters of our nation's veterans as they pursue a higher education. I just got back from the Student Veterans of America National Conference in San Antonio, where there were thousands of student veterans, businesses, veteran service organizations, and supporters of the entire community, all convening in one location to learn how to better support student veterans, how to better thrive on campus, and to continue being a success, not only in the veteran space, but in higher education and on to their next career after the military. While I was there, I got a chance to sit down with a number of people uh, and interview them for this podcast. And I have enough interviews uh, to, to fit them all in one week. Had to start today. So we're kicking this week off early. We're going to kick it off with Jared Lyon. Jared Lyon is the president and CEO of Student Veterans of America. He is the first person, I believe, other than Secretary Shulkin, to make a second appearance on, uh, on Born the Battle. He is a Navy veteran. He talks all about his service, his career, his transition, and becoming a student veteran in his first interview with us in two, that, uh, early 2017, I believe. The link to that show is in the show notes for this one. Jared was episode 18, so if you just go back to one of our uh, if you go back to our library, whether that's uh, at blogs.va.gov or simply in iTunes or Stitcher or Google Play, wherever you listen to the show, you can hear about uh, you can hear Jared answer the normal set of questions that we're used to used to asking our guests. But uh, since we've had Jared on before, and I caught him in the middle of his NatCon high, as they call it, uh, I decided to talk to him uh, in depth about allowing student veterans to thrive, how to encourage them to continue their motivation after leaving an exciting event like NatCon. Uh, we talk about supporting student veteran organizations even when we're not a student veteran so uh, or student veteran chapters, I should say. So if you're an alum, how you can support student veterans around you and a number of other topics. I know you're going to enjoy it. Jared's a great guy. It's always a pleasure, always a pleasure to talk to him. Enjoy. My grandfather served in World War II. Spending time with him were the best memories of my life. I became a physician at VA because of my grandfather, so I can help others like him. I can't imagine working with better doctors or a more dedicated staff. I'm fulfilling my life's mission with the help of my team and thanks to these veterans. I'm proud to be a doctor at VA and proud to honor my grandfather every day. Search VA Careers to find out more. A lot of the big VSOs um, have their own conventions or conferences throughout the year, um, and it serves as an opportunity to deliver to to your membership, to your constituents. Um, but I imagine it's also a time to get to learn about how you can better serve them through the next calendar year. Absolutely. So tell us about that experience on, on, on being in receive mode and learning uh, from your membership on how to better serve veterans when you go back to D.C. And, and advocate for them. Absolutely. I mean, so when you look at it, you've got 64 breakout sessions, five general sessions, you know, with an additional 15 speakers on there. Uh, 
this was the most competitive year for our request for proposals to present at NACON. And I think what's a little bit different about our conference from others is that you know, anyone can submit for the request for proposal or RFP process. So when we open it up, uh, we're gonna get proposals absolutely from student veterans because they're finding some good practices on their own campuses, and when they find that, they log it, they record it, and they prepare it, and then deliver it back to each other. So uh, you have the opportunity to have that peer-to-peer -peer learning because it's as important as peer-to-peer -peer networking. And really, our chapters are nothing more uh, than, than peer-based networks. Uh, to that end, you'll also have some of the leading researchers, uh, some corporate partners, uh, some of the, the, the different uh, nonprofits that we work with, uh, all coming together for that part. And that's, that's really where we're going to have on the delivery. So that's all our content and our programming. Uh, but the receive mode is, you know, we've got our full national headquarters staff uh, is in from D.C. They get in a couple of days before NatCon and make sure everything's set up. But we're in... Uh, uh, receive mode in the sense that we have the opportunity to not just in the formal settings uh, of set networks or the SVA booth on the campus uh, to get that feedback, but we get it in all the informal ways too, just, just walking down the hallway or you know, uh, having one of those great conversations over a beer. Um, and what we're doing is, is like every night we're debriefing, we're logging all that because this serves as our opportunity for follow-up uh, throughout the year, and that it will really help to shape uh, you know, our policy priorities, uh, the, the way in which we'll engage uh, with government or our other advocacy efforts, which is with the private sector as it pertains to employing the educated generation of veterans, uh, but it's also, too, uh, for institutions of higher learning themselves. Um, I think far too often, every time somebody uh, wants to, to get involved or do good with veterans, uh, they're typically doing so so absent of data, uh, and so the, to the ability that we can aggregate that, package it, and then deliver it back and make it available to people, it, it winds up making sure that folks can make data-driven decisions versus you know just just anecdote. Yeah, um, you just mentioned you know getting that data and, and sharing with people sure. at the at the state of SVA. You mentioned a few things that came out of the Invest um, Invest, right? Yep, National yeah. Veteran Education Success Tracker, or Invest for short. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Um, of the, of the metrics that you mentioned, one of the things that stood out to me was that veterans with a bachelor's degree earn on average of 17,000 more Absolutely. than their civilian counterparts. And it doesn't sound like a lot, right, when you just think it, but that is not a negligible number. That if you think about the, about what that does long term over the, sense of the course of your career, especially if you get the opportunity, if you have um, employer matching for retirement and other ways to invest, and assuming that number just increases as you go throughout your career, um, that stood out to me. Is there any metrics or measurements from that that uh, from what you learned in that invest um, report that surprised you or stood out to you the most? Yeah, I mean, so and uh, invest is and. Frankly, I think it's one of the more clever acronyms uh, within our community in the sense that, um, you know, the, the U.S. taxpayer since 2009 has spent in excess of $80 billion of taxpayer money to educate uh, veterans to provide the GI Bill. Um, you know, I think it's reasonable for, for the taxpayer to say, you know, hey, what are we getting... Uh, what are we getting as a return for that? And, and, I, and I think, you know, whether it be members of Congress or the general public, it's, it's a good question to ask. Uh, if you look back to uh, World War II, there was a wonderful uh, uh, fact. The original GI Bill, the Servicemen's Readjustment Act of 1944, had a seven to one return 
So for every uh, $1 invested in the, the Service Industry Adjustment Act of 1944, $7 was returned to the U.S. economy. That's phenomenal. I mean, it's yeah. a difficult return rate to find anywhere. And so the funny thing about that is that wasn't published until the 1980s. Uh, so when you look at a social program, you, you've got to look at it longitudinally from start to finish. It, it's difficult to check in two years after and say, what's the return when you've invested in a, in a person's life and their future outcome, et cetera. And education is one of those amazing investments that we can make. I'll, I'll often find myself describing education specifically as veterans, uh, and definitely as enlisted veterans uh, in particular, as the great equalizer. I mean, when you achieve an associate's degree, a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, or a terminal degree, like a JD, an MD, a PhD, you're as educated as anyone else with that same degree, regardless if perhaps you took an extended gap year between high school and college through the Marine Corps, or the Navy, or the Army, or the Air Force, or the Coast Guard. And so when you look at it in, in whole, NVEST is really to try to answer that question. What's the return on investment uh, to the US economy for what society has made an investment for those that have served their country? Because we definitely earned the GI Bill, but it's paid for by somebody, and it, that, that's the taxpayer. The things that we learned, I'm not sure, to be honest with you, Tim, uh, shocked me. Um, but they confirmed what I was pretty sure was always true because when I was an undergrad studying at Florida State University in 2010 and 11, I was being told by folks that had conducted small-scale research, uh, not aggregate data, but more, uh, more qualitative in nature versus quantitative, um, that veterans were struggling in higher education, that they were less likely to earn their degrees, uh, that they were going to need additional supports uh, made available to things that aren't there on a campus for all students on a campus. But as I looked around, not only on my own campus, but I started getting involved with SVA and attending their national conferences, and I, every student veteran that I met was performing markedly well, and they were majoring in complex and academically rigorous uh, uh, degree pursuits, and they had high GPAs, and I'm going, you know, where are the veterans that I'm told are struggling because the ones I meet are, granted this is anecdotal, but we're all kicking ass and taking names. Invest demonstrated that that is true. I mean, we studied uh, through a great partnership with the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs every post-9/11 veteran to utilize the post-9/11 GI Bill from a period of 2009 to the middle, uh, so August of 2015. In total, 854,000 records. This is not a uh, you know uh, just a, a couple. This is everyone. And when you look at that data in aggregate, uh, and then put it together in an 84-page report that you know few uh, will probably read the whole thing, though it's available uh, on uh, studentveteransofamerica.org. But w when you look at it, today's student veterans are performing markedly well, and, and you name the metric. We're we're not only performing uh, at a great level, but far above our civilian peers. And I think that this is something uh, that when we talk about countering a narrative that seems to persist within our country that in some way uh, when you serve in the military and then separate that you're more likely to be either damaged or broken uh, or, or perhaps a hero. Uh, I think all of us can look at it honestly and say, you know, hey, the heroes are interned in Arlington and other national cemeteries uh, all over the country. But, you know, I might be a little beat up, a little worse for wear after, you know, doing a physically demanding job, but I'm not broken. I'm certainly not damaged. 
And Invest proves that. It, it, through aggregated data, uh, it demonstrates through our research that veterans are among the most successful students in higher education. I mean, pursuing more academically rigorous degrees, the degrees that we earn in this order are bachelor's degree number one, then a master's degree, then an associate's degree, and then a terminal degree. Uh, to that end, we have GPAs higher than our civilian counterparts uh, at a 3.35, and our success rate overall is a 72% compared to only 66% for, uh, for veterans that have not or for students that have not served in the military. And when you look at it overall, the thing that shocks most people is that 90% of those graduates are prior enlisted. Um, and so we're, 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 we're doing excellently in higher education. Yeah. Um... Something I'm interested, um, uh, I don't know if you have any insight on this, but as you were talking about what is the nation's return on investment in the GI Bill, it made me wonder um, if, if universities look at their return on investment on bringing a veteran to campus, and not just what does this veteran do for our for us when they go on and become a, a but like how are they actually making the campus richer? Because, because they're here. Do you have any insight on, on anything like that? Or maybe even just, sure. just something you've observed? Yeah, so from, from an observational sense, uh, Tim, I think people are waking up to it, right? Um, I think at first there was, a, there was an assumption that, that, that was in, aligned with um, society's views of veterans that we might be damaged or broken and require you know, extra help. Uh, people want to support the troops. People want to help veterans. Um, I, I think that they're grateful for the service that we've provided uh, through our time in the military, and they want to do something to acknowledge that. Um, I think acknowledging it is, is better than, than thinking of us as a charitable case. Uh, to that end, I think universities are really waking up to the, uh, the enrichment that's found with the veterans that enroll in their institutions of higher learning, in the sense that uh, veterans culturally are bringing uh, a diversity of thought, uh, but we're also bringing a diversity of lived experience to the classroom. Uh, if, if you look at it, um, there, is, uh, there is this misconception that the U.S. military is, uh, is not an ethnically diverse employer, when in fact the truth is that it's one of the most diverse employers. And so we are bringing that to the classroom as well. And you know, if you look in, in some key demographics, uh, uh, student veterans who are women, uh, Latino, Latinas, uh, and, and African-American uh, men and women alike, uh, in all of those demographic categories, you're going to find student veterans outperforming their civilian equivalents uh, who have never served in the military but anywhere from 3 to 18%. So we're adding that, but also we're bringing a, a, a sense of leadership to the classroom. I mean, it's not just leading in your student veteran organization or your SVA chapter at a college or university campus. You know, we have student veterans that are serving as leaders of other clubs on campus. Uh, they're hosting networking events for all students on campus. They're leading tailgates on campus, but they're also uh, involved in student government associations. And, and even there are tons of student veterans that are serving right at this moment as the student body president. Yeah. Uh, they're bringing the same things that I think the private sector has acknowledged uh, when you want to hire a veteran. Uh, it's the same thing that you should want to recruit a veteran because of all the assets uh, that they bring to the table to enrich that college and university campus. I think at one point there was definitely a viewpoint that student veterans uh, were viewed from the deficit lens in the sense that we were lesser than and would need more to just succeed. 
the reality is that we should be viewed from the asset model, that we bring not only the GI Bill dollars to a college or university campus, uh, but we bring a diversity of thought and lived experience and leadership in practice that is very applicable to what higher education is looking for uh, and their top potential students to have on a college and university campus. Yeah, as we sit here and record this, this is second half of day three, uh, I get, yeah, of the, of the, of the NACCON. Um, uh, you know, one of your staff members told me about the NatCon High that yeah. a lot of SVA chapters will have. They'll leave here, right? And I think anybody who's ever been to a, any conference sure. can attest to this. You go there, you're pumped, you go back and try to implement what you've learned. Absolutely. Um, and I, I am confident that people listening to this are people that have that attended NatCon. Um, what do you suggest to them to, to keep their chapter excited past that NatCon High? Well, it's it's a, it. It's a real thing, uh, right? Like you, you, you leave NatCon not only motivated and inspired and ready to change the world, you feel like you could run through a brick wall. Yeah. When you get back to your campus, uh, one of the things that sometimes happens is uh, not, not every SVA chapter is able to send every student veteran on their campus, obviously, to, to NatCon. Uh, it's cost prohibitive to do that. Uh, but it's returning back and running at them a million miles a minute of all the things that you learned and all the things that we're now gonna change and we're gonna move it forward. Um, one of the things is like, that's the excited squirrel, right? You return back and you're like, oh my God, just all these things were great, 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 great. And everyone's like, whoa, man, whoa, whoa. Like, hey, it's, it's, it's syllabus week, man. We've got a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so said, like, all right, we sent two people this year. Let's send 50 next yeah, year. <laughs> right, right. So, so there's, there's, there's things that, um, that I often suggest to maintain uh, that NatCon high, if you will. Uh, the first is to, on the plane home or while you're waiting in the airport or on the long drive home, providing you're not the driver, jot down in bullet, bullet point fashion my key takeaways of NatCon. From there, uh, when you get back to campus, make sure that you take all the pictures on your phone, run onto the SVA Flickr account, uh, grab some stuff from our social media, stuff that we've been sharing that you felt were relevant to, uh, to sort of emphasize those bullet points, and then just sit down uh, you know, and, and, and spend, spend a night where you put some of those bullet points with a photo to match. It's just a small slide deck. And then when you have that first chapter meeting of the semester, sit down with the team and be the excited squirrel. You know, hey, this was great, this was great, this was great, but here are my key takeaways, and then say, what are we gonna do about it? So what change do we wanna implement in our chapter, on our campus, in our local community back home as a result of what we did? so that you're not uh, you know, trying to eat the elephant in one bite, you know, to take it in chunks. And, and I, I'd say if you can do that, it's something that you can also make reference to uh, mid-year and say, hey, how are we doing? That's, that's your barometer, you can kind of check the temperature. And then when it's like time to register for NatCon again, you've actually got some high bullet points. So when you only send you know, four chapter members this year and you wanna send 50 next year, you've got all the high level talking points of like these are the things you can expect to be getting when you return back. Absolutely. The other thing too, and I know this is gonna sound crazy, but you just probably spent four days collecting business cards and, and connecting with folks on LinkedIn. Spend the next couple of weeks, just when you find yourself with a down moment, just, just shooting you know, thank you notes or hey, it was really cool to meet you because you had an awesome beard, Tim, things were looking good or whatever those cool moments were. So you can kind of keep those conversations going because those that were at NatCon will help you maintain the high when you get back to campus too. Yeah, and I think um, if, if I can follow up on that idea, when, um, there's two types of network or two types of exchanges you have with people, right? You have one where there's a, there's a 
obvious follow-up, right? Like, yeah. you and I connected on this one thing. We need to follow up on that idea. Absolutely. And then you just had the, you and I are pleasant people, and I would like to continue to, like, you know, so take, make sure you follow up on that action item Absolutely. on that first group. That second group, follow them on Twitter, connect them on, on LinkedIn, keep them in mind if some, another opportunity yeah. arises. At the very least, you'll recognize them when you come back to NatCon next year. And then that's one way that, uh, you know, I did a breakout session on day one about my journey from being the, the transition veteran to where I am at VA. And one of the things that I noted is just like, know the other up-and-comers in, in, in your industry and know the up-and-comers in the industries around you. Uh, because those are the ones that when they get to a position, they see an opportunity, they can be like, hey, that guy's good at what he does, and I met him at this event. We've Absolutely. known each other for a while. I want to recommend him. So yeah. um, it's all about who you know. I mean, you got to be good at what you do. That's thing number one. But then past that, it's just about networking. It's about knowing people. Um, you know, and I think a number of us, especially in D.C., it's hard to imagine that we, that we got anything simply by submitting a resume. Tim, the way that I like to describe it is that who you know gets your foot in the door. Yeah. What you know allows that door to stay open. That's perfect. That's a great way of putting it. So, um, you know, so, so that was a great uh, segment for everybody who's listening who's either been to a NatCon or been to this NatCon. Sure. But I'm sure there's a, there's a wide part of my audience that um, they're not a student veteran. They're just a person listening to the episode. Yep. But obviously we know that, stu that student veterans and veterans in higher education are, are something that we want to support. What can they do to support their local chapter or the chapter at their al alma mater, something like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it, it, it's, it's pretty straightforward. So the first thing that I would say is that uh, for every uh, you know, former student veteran out there that's now a graduate and uh, their, their, their alma mater, the first thing that they should do is join their alumni association. Uh, and, you know, veterans are, are more engaged uh, in society uh, in a lot of ways, as civic assets, et cetera. Uh, we give more, we lead more, et cetera. Uh, so if you're that alum who's joined your alumni association and you're making a gift, you know, hey, you know, when you were a student veteran, I'm sure you would have really appreciated some additional uh, financial support for uh, the events, programs, and efforts that you were making on the campus while you were a student veteran. Um, as an alum, you have that cool opportunity to, if you're already making a gift to the university, ask, ask that it goes to the student veteran organization on campus or the vet center that, that might either be on campus for renovation purposes, et cetera. Um, you know, as an alum of your alma mater, uh, you have a voice that that university administration, those college administrators uh, still care about a great deal. And so that's, that's one thing that you can do to sort of make sure that your alma mater's administration gets it that veterans stay very engaged when they graduate. Identify yourself as a veteran and say that you want to continue to support the veterans back at your alma mater. Uh, that's a way of sort of um, paying it back as you, as you leave. But you can do more simple things too. One of the easiest is uh, just taking a quick look at your LinkedIn profile and sort of filtering by, uh, by veteran status. So, you know, served in the Navy, the Marine Corps, or the Army, the Air Force, the Coast Guard. And just sort of like looking in your own network and who are you one degree away from uh, that might be a, a student veteran back at your alma mater uh, or an alum like yourself that you're like, wow, I haven't connected with, with that guy, that gal in a while. Let's do that. But even your second and third degree connections to see in the city that I live in or maybe even the company that I work in who might not have gone to my alma mater but was a student veteran that I can connect with and do things. Uh, another thing is uh, the opportunity um, to, as an alum or someone who's already graduated or in the local community and wants to support, uh, mentorship is 
something that is absolutely vital to student veterans and their ability to, to sort of gain uh, multiple mentors in their lives early on is, is vital. A, a great tool for that is uh, just you know download Veterati on your phone and sign up as a mentor and make yourself available. Because there's a student veteran out there that likely connects with your story and you're that person who's sort of been there, done that, has the t-shirt. And we always say, you know, I, I, I wish I would have known or I wish somebody would have told me. So as a graduate, as an alum, you have a responsibility to make sure that the guys and gals coming behind you don't have to say that anymore and you can do so through mentoring. And then I'd say the third thing is, shoot, if you wanna get involved, if you wanna support veterans in higher education, swing, swing by the Vet Center on a college or university campus. Go by and talk to the VA certifying official and say, hey, what are some of the resources you guys don't have access to this year that I could help bring, bring to the table? The, the national average operating budget for an SVA chapter is $1,700 per year. I mean, as an alum, you have the ability to, to sort of really help out and, and amplify that. Uh, but, but swing by an SVA chapter meeting. You know, they might be hosting a tailgate uh, next Saturday. Yeah. Uh, our events tend to be real inclusive and family friendly. Go by the tailgate and just, just network with those student veterans. Start talking to them earlier so that they can sort of learn from where you've been and your journey and how you got there uh, so that they can move from it further. Because one thing that, that I think when people ask what are some of the issues that veterans face in higher education, um, I think they're kind of shocked by what we know are some of those issues. And one of the biggest is that uh, a lot of us are first generation college students. So we don't have those natural affinity structures uh, within our familial networks and our, our immediate networks of folks that have been to school. So as, as veterans who have been to school, you know, you can kind of reach back and offer that sort of hand up rather a hand out and sort of making sure that we're tapped in as a network because we're already uh, as veterans part of legitimately the best sorority and fraternity in the world the marine corps the united states navy the army the air force the coast guard keep that going as now the second fraternity or sorority if you will that that sister and brotherhood that you gain as being someone who was in the military who's had the common shared experience of education and is going on to just literally be the leaders that tomorrow needs if we're staying connected with each other and staying involved, that those affinity structures are going to pay dividends over the next 20 and 30 years, the likes of which you know our, our community has never seen before. Yeah. And we have the chance to do that. Something that I can resonate with that I've heard a few times uh, at each NatCon that I've been to, this is my third one. Awesome. Um, and, I, and I don't remember if we brought it up in the last interview that we did. By the way, first person to get uh, to, uh, a second interview on, on, uh, on oh, the wow. VA podcast. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a big deal, man. Yeah, it is kind of a big deal. You're blushing right? a little bit. Yeah, I like that's, it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's cool. Funding after the GI Bill, yeah, and mostly for people that you that exhausted their GI Bill getting their bachelor's, but know they wanted an advanced degree. Yeah, what are like where's the first place to look, or what's the like what are the first couple things to consider? Hope for, keep your fingers crossed. Yeah, you know. So I, I mean, the honest answer, Tim, is there's there's not a lot of places to look. Um, there's there's fellowships that are out there, uh, but you know. Every school that you're interested in, one place that people often don't look when it comes to seeking funding is they, they Google everything. They ask people in their network who knows about a scholarship, et cetera. If you know which institution of higher learning that you want to advance your education, start there. Everyone, that winds up being their last trip. They, they're more focused on the application, the letters of recommendation, the personal statement. All of that continues to be important. But if you want to seek advanced education, 
it, it's, it's literally like a, like a job interview of sorts, right? Do you go into a job interview cold without knowing anything about the company or talking to anybody first? No, but we tend to do that when it, when it, when it comes to seeking advanced education. So if you already know the institution uh, that you want to attend in the program of study, uh, make an appointment with, uh, with the dean. Make an appointment with somebody in admissions and go and have that conversation. If you're already a high caliber candidate for what they're looking for and your only barrier is, is, is the ability to attend, just go by and talk to them and say, hey, I, I'm, I really would like to attend here. I, I'm obviously a, a good fit. I think this place, uh, you know, I'd be a good fit here too. My only barrier is money. And, and let them help you because, I mean, at the end of the day, higher education is, is a business. I mean, granted, many are nonprofits, but, you know, they still need to function by bringing students in. And I think as first-gen college students and especially student veterans, it's the last place that we think to look, and it's probably the place with the, the richest amount of resources. Yeah, and everything in life is in a negotiation. Damn right. Yeah, it's a, and it's one of the things that when I learned, like my eyes opened, like holy, there's so much more I can do. Um, and I think uh, it's important to know that simply, you know, no's are not the, like the end of the world, right? Uh, like, no, sorry, not. we can't fund you, great. Every no in higher education is an opportunity to find a yes, yes. you know? And I'd be remiss if I didn't, uh, you know, the, the, the Tillman Scholars is probably a great place to, to, to look as well as a specific scholarship for veterans and, and military family members uh, that are seeking some of those advanced degrees. That is a really good place to look. Sure. Uh, Jared, one more question for sure. you, and uh, only because this is a question that I've added to the staple questions since our, our, our okay. last interview. Tell me about a close friend or great leader that you had while you're in the military. You can pick one of those, but just tell me about that person. Yeah, uh, so TJ Carney is is the guy that comes right to mind. So um, uh, Commander Carney is is how I knew him. Was uh, the skipper on the submarine that I was on. He was my second CO, a commanding officer, and uh, he was somebody who was just an amazing leader because he put people first. And from him, I learned a couple of lessons. But uh, I'd say chief among them is that uh, I have a, a, a charge that I give when I often talk to student veterans, when I, when I have the great opportunity to address uh, folks at NatCon during the state of the SVA address. Uh, and it, it's usually pretty simple. It's leave things better than you found them. Um, I learned that from, from Commander Carney in the sense that you know, every commander has to leave command uh, for you know, meetings or other things that they've got to do. And uh, you know, one of the things that I learned from him is, you know, one measure of a leader is how things operate when you're not there and after you permanently transfer or leave. And so the ability to leave something better than you found it is a strong measure of you as a leader. Uh, the second uh, about uh, Commander Carney is that he was prior enlisted. And so um, it's pretty common in the Navy to call the skipper, uh, you know, the, the quote, old man. Yeah. Uh, he was always actually the old man. So he was a, a former enlisted sailor uh, who then got picked up for the officer program went on to finish an engineering degree in ROTC and then commissioned back in. So he's only a few years older than his peer group. And you know, I think that that, that, that direct experience made him incredibly endeared uh, to the entire crew, most of which are enlisted, uh, but even to, to, uh, to the officers under his charge as well, because he had a really great way to, to sort of mentor everybody that was there, even when you didn't know he was doing it. 
And I'd say the last thing was, um, I, I was a typical sailor. I wound up getting in a, a little bit of trouble and uh, had, had to go before the, uh, the old man. And, uh, and, and for me, it was something that I learned from him very directly that uh, I'd say wound up being the catalyst for me uh, to judge any situation that I'm in. And, and one thing that he shared with me is, you know, the measure of a person is not how they they react uh, or interact when the, the, the cards are, they're holding are all, you know, the deck is favoring them and everything's going well. The true measure of a person is how they react to situations when the cards are down, the deck is against them, and everything's not going their way. That's where you, your sort of character shines through. And so it's in those moments of adversity, you have the opportunity to say, you know what, this is a bad situation, it can only go up from here, and what's next? The last thing that I'll share about TJ Carney is um, when he was a Navy captain uh, in 06, it was something that, you know, I'm not sure that he was anticipating it or, or really anyone, uh, I think everyone around him was, but he very specifically was not, that he'd probably never make a flag officer. Uh, but when he was promoted to Rear Admiral Lower Half uh, to, to make 07 to, to receive his star and become a flag officer, uh, my social media like blew up with everyone that was under his charge. Like everyone knew and, and was proud of him and, and understood that the Navy got it right. And uh, I had the great fortune to receive a personal invitation from TJ uh, to attend his, um, his shoulder board ceremony. He, he was serving at the Navy Yard at the time. Um, and they had to keep moving the location because so many people that were under his command at one time or that he worked with that were Navy civilians and DOD civilians, that they had to put them in a hall because so many people showed up. And the three-star that, uh, that actually did the shoulder boarding for him uh, had mentioned, you know, typically, like, these are small family affairs and a couple of close friends, but I think it's indicative of the type of leadership that he had in the sense that when you take care of people, uh, everything else seems to take care of itself. So as a leader, uh, your, uh, your people that you're responsible for are your number one priority, and when you do it right, it serves for everything. I learned all those lessons from being around him um, for the time that I was in the Navy, and, uh, you know... I have the great privilege to, uh, I'm sort of a little bit embarrassed because we're, we're still friends and stay in touch. So, um, but uh, that's, that's who came to mind right away. That's cool. That's a good question, man. Thank you. I have to give him a credit to my wife for that one. Um, oh, wow. When, 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 so the podcast used to be called This Week at VA. Okay. We did a rebranding. It's now called Born the Battle um, cool. to sort of fit that VA brand. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, when I was going through that, Shannon was like, uh, my wife was like, you know, you should ask people about like a close friend. Um, and I really like that question, but I know not everybody. Uh, so I, I threw in great leader in there as well because some people really like talking about that person. So, I, um, so yeah, so, but she inspired that question. Um, how do you like being able to say my wife? Is that, how, how's that, how's that fitting now? I know you're newlywed. It's easier. Good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's easier than saying, because, and here's why. When you say my girlfriend, people don't take that relationship as seriously as you and that person know it right. is, right? Fiance even still sort of seems like the purgatory of this of the whole relationship. Like, <laughs> Who wins the date? Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> like, well, you're not quite there yet, but you know. Uh, but when I say my wife, like, there's a zero question what Absolutely. that is, right? So yeah. um, it's much easier to to do. I, I would I would agree with that sentiment, and my wife a hundred percent. So yeah. that that's that's great, and congratulations to both Thank of you. you. Um, thank you for joining me, man. It's always a pleasure talking to you. One of the best staffs in, in the veteran space. Thank um, you. And with the addition of Mark Szymanski and, and Lauren... I, Augustine. Augustine, thank you. Um, it's just, it, it's like watching a good team pick up a couple more, uh, 
you know. It means a great deal for you to say that, Tim. I, I, I often wind up receiving a hell of a lot of credit for uh, the success that SVA is having. And, and the first answer that I always have is I, I deserve none of it because there are amazing student veterans running chapters on uh, campuses in all 50 states and in, in four countries overseas. They're, they're the ones that deserve the credit. And the second group is our, our national headquarters staff in Washington, D.C. Uh, they are constantly uh, going above and beyond, living uh, five or six different, uh, wearing five or six different hats to get things done, and, uh, and just kicking ass and taking names and putting student veterans first and foremost in everything that we do. I am, I am humbled by their leadership uh, and their ability to sort of, um, <laughs> to, to always have extra gas in the tank every single day. Uh, and, and they perform their job so well that uh, there's some days where I'm not really sure what I'm supposed to do because they're so badass at what they do. But um, uh, in, we'll wrap up here, but what, what are the other three countries? I forgot to, something I meant to ask. Is, United, oh, sure. uh, is it four countries overseas? Four overseas, yeah, Okay, yeah, what yeah. are those countries? So, so you're looking at uh, uh, Germany, uh, France, Italy, and Japan. Uh, that's, that's where our four chapters are. And then we've been really working uh, well with our brothers and sisters down under uh, with uh, 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 our, our student veteran friends in Australia. That's cool. um, so they're, uh, they're somebody, uh, they're a group that reached out to us um, about two years ago now, and, and a, uh, <laughs> they, they recognized SVA as the global leader for veterans in higher education. And we were like, wow, that's never happened before. Yeah. Um, and they uh, put that on the station. Yeah, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, they, and they sort of, they, they, um, they sort of said, hey, you, you guys have, have been doing this a little bit longer than we have. So we've been uh, Skype sessions with them. Uh, you know, back and forth with emails and different social media and, and helping. Uh, they'll be hosting their first NatCon uh, in Australia uh, towards the, the latter part of 2018. Um, there's actually a handful of us uh, from the national headquarters that'll be going, uh, but they sent a, uh, a delegation uh, to the to the states, as they refer to it, um, uh, this summer and, and traveled around uh, 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 basically uh, for a, a little over a month, actually just talking to, to various SVA chapters around yeah. the country that were of similar sizes to them. And even here at NatCon, the University of Sydney is here uh, as well, actually talking to student veterans about the fact that they can use their GI Bill That's at amazing. schools overseas. Yeah. So um, so it's really exciting. Uh, cool. Yeah, absolutely. Jared, always a pleasure talking to you. I know in, I know in, uh, in NatCon, uh, I won't say who said it, but a member of your staff said uh, getting an interview with you, with you might be like trying to catch a greased pig. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's because I'm here in receive mode, man. Yeah. I'm just I'm in like ten times uh, amount of conversations that I normally have in a day because there's so many motivators around here. I feel like my voice is is wicked harsh and maybe not the easiest day to do an interview, but. It's, it's, it's a thrill, man. I always forget that this thing is on. So if you have to edit anything out, feel, feel free to take license. I probably blabbered on way too long. No, it's fine. Thank you for your time, man. Appreciate I really it, appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838. If you don't have an SVA chapter uh, in mind that, that you'd like to support, whether it be your alma mater or unaware of who's, uh, who's near you, if you go to studentveterans.org, click on chapters, you can search chapters uh, all around the nation and find a chapter near you. You can reach out to them and, and, and ask how you can support them, should you be so interested. Continuing with the Medal of Honor citation reading, uh, I think it's only appropriate to 
read a citation of a recently successful student veteran and Medal of Honor recipient, William Kyle Carpenter, who was a Marine Corps veteran. He was a Lance Corporal uh, while in the Helmand province of Afghanistan in November 2010, uh, where he was when the event occurred that led to his Medal of Honor. He recently graduated from the University of South Carolina in the spirit of a student veteran-themed week. I will read the citation of Marine Corps veteran and recent graduate Kyle Carpenter. For conspicuous gallantry and intrepidity at the risk of his life above and beyond the call of duty, while serving as an automatic rifleman with Company F, 2nd Battalion, 9th Marines, Regimental Combat Team 1, 1st Marine Division, 1st Marine Expeditionary Force in Helmand Province, Afghanistan, in support of Operation Enduring Freedom on 21 November 2010. Lance Corporal Carpenter was a member of a platoon-sized coalition force comprised of two reinforced Marine squads partnered with an Afghan National Army squad. The platoon had established patrol base Dakota two days earlier in a small village in the Marja district in order to disrupt enemy activity and provide security for the local Afghan population. Lance Corporal Carpenter and a fellow Marine were manning a rooftop security position on the perimeter of a patrol base Dakota when the enemy initiated a daylight attack with hand grenades, one of which landed inside the sandbag position. Without hesitation and with complete disregard for his own safety, Lance Corporal Carpenter moved toward the grenade in an attempt to shield his fellow Marine from the deadly blast. When the grenade detonated, his body absorbed the brunt of the blast severely wounding him but saving the life of his fellow Marine. By his undaunted courage, bold fighting spirit, and unwavering devotion to duty in the face of almost certain death, Lance Corporal Carpenter reflected great credit upon himself and upheld the highest traditions of the Marine Corps and the United States Naval Service. We thank Kyle for his service. That wraps up episode 73. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. We are uh, back tomorrow. With uh, we'll hear from a couple of the student veteran of the year finalists, uh, and we'll be playing we'll be playing their interviews tomorrow through Thursday. Friday we'll be hearing from the student veteran of the year, and after my interview with Jared Lyon, I showed him how to subscribe to the podcast on his phone. So hopefully that is how he's listening to this episode right now. Thank you so much, Jared, for taking his time to talk to us, for SVA for having me at their conference, and all the student veterans that sat down to talk with me. We'll hear from them throughout the rest of the week. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and I'll see you again tomorrow. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off.